Welcome to Better is Better Podcast. The show that has conversations we would not typically have on our own to learn how to be a little bit better in every area of life. My name is Jennifer. And I'm Ava. This platform is our active effort to acknowledge not only our white privilege, but also our able-bodied and able-minded privilege. And to learn how to do better. Kaylee Ruggiero is a criminal defense attorney and public defender. And uh, last time I checked online, she's in good standing in the state of Indiana. Kaylee is one of my dear friends from the University of Dayton. Stick with us in the beginning. We're poking fun at each other. It's been a while since we've checked in with one another. We get deep in this episode and talk about current issues our country is facing and have some hard conversations. Kaylee is a wild card and so much fun to hear from. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Kaylee. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you're so welcome. I know Kaylee because I was her boss at the University of Dayton Rec Center. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. (laughs) And then I was her boss. No, I'm I'm not sure it worked that way. No, I'm kidding. I wasn't her boss, but I was her supervisor. I know. And okay. then you weren't a supervisor and then I supervised you because you were student teaching. Oh, that is true. Mm-hmm. That is true. Look how the tables have turned. They flipped. The teacher becomes the student. That's right. Very smart. I love it. And I was part of Kaylee's hiring too, because we were, we were lifeguards and I didn't want to hire her. <laughs> I was like, this girl is too much, but here we are. Can't believe it. Best friends. Good thing it wasn't up to you. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) You wouldn't have had the blossoming career as a lifeguard that you did. That's true. I would have been like homeless or something. I don't know. Um, But anyways, uh, so Kaylee is a lawyer and I want you to kind of give a little bit of background, Kaylee, on what led you to become a lawyer and then what that process looked like in law school and what kind of law do you practice? Sure. That's easy. So I am a public defender, so I do criminal defense. That's the easiest question. Um, growing up, I listened slash watch slash read every true crime thing I could get my hands on. So I was super obsessed with true crime and I always thought I would be a prosecutor because that's how I saw the world. Like I'm going to prosecute people and serial killers specifically, because in my mind, everyone was a serial killer. That's what crime was like people murdering people. And I remember in high school, I thought, why am I going to college? I just want to go to law school. It seems like a waste of my time. Made it through college, went to law school. At that point, I thought I was going to go into um, more civil side of law where I thought I was going to do like health law. And my first summer internship was at a criminal defense firm. And I was like, Mm-mm, I'm in love with this. There's drama and <laughs> I'm having fun at work. So um, my bosses told me that being a public defender was kind of like the ER shift of being a lawyer. You get a little bit of everything and you're working so fast that you learn it all so quick. So they were like, you should apply to be a public defender. Um, so that's where I've been since I passed the bar in October of 2019. That's really interesting. I've never heard it described like that. 
Yeah. I know. I'm a doctor. Oh my God. <laughs> of law. Of law. I can see why you guys are friends. I can see why she, she gives me a run for my money. And it cracks me up that you mentioned that there's drama <laughs> because Kaylee loves drama in life. It's yep. like you. She loves to stir it up. She likes to start it. She likes to everything about it. So it only makes sense that the drama would carry into the courtroom. Right. It's like, can I cause drama? Can I be a part of drama? Can I just watch drama? Tell me your drama. Oh my goodness. Anything. I love it. Okay. So can you walk us through what law school itself looks like? Because I feel like we know it's three years and don't really know much more than that. So law school starts and everyone's thinking like, I'm super going to, I'm going to be competitive. I'm going to hate everyone around me. Like look out for yourself. And then you kind of look around and you're all children and you're in high school again and no one has any friends. (laughs) And then, (laughs) and you have lockers, they give you lockers in law school. So it's like, like, we have lockers again to keep your books because they're so heavy. (laughs) So we get these books and we go to classes and you're in the same classes with the same people every day. So of course there's people you hate and people you like, and usually you like the people that don't speak because obviously. Um, So like your first semester, you're like, it's like being a freshman in high school. You're like trying to learn who you are, who your friends are. Like, are you smart? Are you stupid? And it's kind of like hazing. They haze the shit out of you. Am I allowed to say shit? Sure. I'll put an E on the episode that says explicit. Uh, oh, good. You need that. Um, <laughs> Wait, so they tell haze... us about the hazing. Yeah, you love, you love to spill the tea. So give us. Just like the professor. So if you don't have an oh. answer to the question, they're like, well, we're not moving on. You didn't do the reading. Sit here and read until you have the right answer. Oh my gosh. So it's like traumatizing. So it's not just like normal school where it's like, okay, we're going to move on. It's like, you're not prepared. Okay. Read this for the next 30 minutes while we all sit here silently yeah. judging you. Wait, mm-hmm. where'd you go to law school? So I went to IU McKinney, which is Indiana University in Indianapolis. So Got it's it. all weird. Um, so yeah, <laughs> the professors haze the shit out of you. Um, and then people don't like you when you get hazed, obviously. Yeah. Cause so, then you're wasting yeah. their time. Right. So, um, there were a few people who left an impact on my memory from law school, but then after your first semester, you realize Wait, I want to hear about the people go back who <laughs> left. The- begins. Just, yeah. One of, one of those people still has not passed the bar to this day. So so she's not an attorney. She's, um, I think she works at like J crew. I don't know. I don't know. A day not my, there. not my business. I don't know. Um, but yeah, then after that you realize it's all a game. It's a joke. And then you kind of relax for the next two and a half years and you get a law degree and then you take the bar exam and it's a nightmare. So that's law school. Wait, wait, what's, what's, what do you, re- you relax and it's a joke. What's a joke. What do you mean? You kind of like learn the way that the professors work. Right. So after your first semester, after they haze you, they're like, we're not going to bully them anymore. Okay. We're going to let them be adults. So you like kind of learn how, like with what professor, what you can get away with. And then all of a sudden you're in upperclassmen classes. So like 2L and 3L is what we call it, which is stupid. 
So once you're a 2L and 3L, you're kind of like the top dog. You're like seniors and you're like skipping class and smoking in the bathroom. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, you don't. Oh. Or in my case, you're just getting drunk before class and the professor can tell so they don't call on you. Kaylee, you're not setting the scene for people to want to hire you. No. I'm already hired. (laughs) This is very different than my mother's experience with law school. I will say that. She is an attorney in Boston. Evelyn wasn't getting drunk before class? No, I don't think so. Ev, Ev, if you're hearing this, we need an update. We need a a part two to this episode. What? No, she had to. My law school had open bars before class. Like we literally, there'd be an event with an open bar before class. Well, I think Boston is a little different than Indiana. Probably. There's nothing else to do here. I would hope so. <laughs> Honestly. This Maybe is, just a tiny bit. I don't know. This is actually really concerning to me. Why? Because if I need a lawyer, I want them to like be a little bit more serious. Well, they are serious, but like law school is just kind of like high school and college. It's an extension. Okay. And your law, like your law degree matters, but like passing the bar is what matters and your professionalism okay. after that. But like law school is kind of like high school slash a frat. Like it's not, it's not as serious as people think. Well, and I imagine if you're, if you're really bright, it's like anything else where you're going to be able to get through it more easily and be right. able to, right. Like that, I'm sure depending on where you are and who you are, that's like anywhere, right. Your experience right. is going to be different. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And is it, like, so is it stressful where it's kind of like a work hard, play hard situation? I think depending on where you go to law school, mine wasn't like that, but I would say there are definitely law schools like that or like friends of mine that went to different law schools that they felt that way. Like I have a friend that went to Michigan and I think she kind of had that mentality. Yeah. Okay. I, th- this is a difficult conversation for me as you are aware because being a public, I mean, it, it's a, it's a sore spot for me. And I know that you defend criminals and Kaylee asked me yesterday what I'm going to be asking her. And I said, I'm going to ask you how you sleep at night. And she said back, I sleep just fine. (laughs) You two are not holding back. There is I know. So, so, but honestly, I want to know, like, how do you get yourself into a mindset where you morally defend these people that have done heinous crimes? So I think it's kind of a twofold. Um, I like to think of them as what if this was my dad, my sibling, one of my good friends, if your dad was accused of something completely heinous that you're like, I don't believe that about my dad, wouldn't you want your father to have the best representation they can get? So you have to like kind of personalize these people of they're accused of some of the worst things they could ever be accused of. So you have to think there are people that love these people that think that there's no way that this happened and you have to represent them like they're a loved one. But on the other hand, is that side of the criminal justice system where innocent pe- until proven guilty, right? Where innocent people go to prison, and it's yep. it's proven that people spend time in jail, All in prison time. for things that they yeah they have not done, and that to me yeah. is so heartbreaking to know that there are innocent people that sit in prison or people who are in prison for 
minor offenses, marijuana offenses, where now it's legalized in so many states, but there are people in prison for this. Yeah. Um, and yeah. part of it is also there are we have the constitution and laws for a reason. And just because someone's accused of something and maybe they did it, but you should still hold the state and the government to the burden that they have. And they need to absolutely prove something happened before someone signs their life away to spend their life in prison. So there's a lot of things that motivate it. And I think once you're kind of in it, you see a side that the public doesn't really see. Yeah. Cause you're forced to look at it that way. Right. 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 And you, you talk to people who um, are guilty or not guilty and and whether they admit it or not. And you can kind of see their perspective on things and you, you meet all these people. And then you work with prosecutors who some of them are great. And some of them just don't understand what it's like to be poor. Um, what it's like to have an addiction. They just don't understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It's, it's interesting. You brought that up because I was thinking about that. And one of my younger sister's good friends is, um, I think she's in the, she's a paralegal currently in, in the process of applying to law school. Mm-hmm. She is like devastated over the numbers of innocent people in prison. And like, that's where she, that's what motivated her to go down this path where she's like, I want to do some. And she went to school in um, Louisiana. Okay. So she's like in that state, especially there's so much, the numbers are so, so, so high. And she's like, it's Mm -hmm. absolutely heartbreaking. And so she's like, I wanted to do something to, you know, like, how can we fix this flaw in the system? So that, that brings like a different light to it. Right, Jen, don't you think? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely the thing for us is since like Stephen Avery and all of these other Mm -hmm. wrongful conviction shows, I think (laughs) the public is more aware of it than they've ever been it's been happening forever i mean there are people that have been sentenced to death that years later it's been proved that they were they were exonerated post their death sentence and that's what is so hard for me is because who am i to judge as a person whether or not someone committed the crime i mean you look back at these slam dunk cases i put that in air quotes which you obviously can't see on a podcast but like these slam dunk cases prosecutors have and then years later they're exonerated and this person sat in prison for how many years for something they truly didn't do and I think it's something that is just so heartbreaking for me that I think the public is finally starting to get awareness of and it's motivating people to fight the the good fight do you ever have clients that admit to you that they did it Ask. Do you ask them? Do you not? <laughs> yeah, tell me. <laughs> I I don't typically ask them. Um, sometimes I show Is that them the because evidence. you don't want to know. No, it's not because I don't want to know. It's it's building trust for the client. Um, okay. Because sometimes in these situations, no one believes them. So it's building trust and just being like, "What happened? What's your side of the story?" Which is normally it didn't happen. Sometimes they admit to it. Um, but sometimes you get to a point where you have to have the conversation of look at all of this evidence. What do you want to do now? If you mm-hmm. want to go to trial, I'll back you up a hundred percent. But here's what I think is in your best interest. So I never ask, are you guilty or not guilty? That's not really, I think most defense attorneys would say they don't have that conversation because you're building rapport and trust with a client and you don't want yeah. to just prejudge them because after you have, let's say you've never been arrested before, you're arrested for the first time, you go to jail for the first time, you have some like public shame and humiliation. You want your attorney to be someone you can trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, so that's 
That makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy the work you're doing? I do. Um, so I've had offers to go to other jobs and I've turned them down because I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, never thought I'd be here. I, like I said, I wanted to be a prosecutor. And now that I'm on this side and I see, um, I feel like it's changed my whole worldview of meeting my clients and working on these cases. I have a whole new perspective on life. That's awesome. Wow, Kaylee. Wow. wow. I know. Oh I know. My God. I would live smiling, you guys. Kaylee as a judge. She would have a TV <laughs> show and be like Judge, <laughs> judge Judy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One so day. Good. Don't forget the little people. Don't forget us when you're, when you're <laughs> up there in your robes. Would you, you ever be a judge? I, that is something I would like to do one day, but like uh, that would be 10 years down the line. What is that process? I don't even know. It depends on the state. It really is just um, how many years you've been licensed and some of it is political. So you got to get into the like politics of smoozing with people and fundraising and running for judge. That's another thing that I wanted to get into. So I'm glad that you brought it up. And I don't even know how to frame the question, but have you seen in the courtroom, like in front of your face, injustices with either how the judge decided or you can totally see like implicit biases? Do you, Have you seen that? I would say absolutely. Um, I mean, first off, the number of Statistically, the number of defendants I have that are black um, don't aren't proportionate to the people in the city. Um, mm. There, I mean, almost everyone I represent is black, and that's just a harsh reality. Um, and my office has looked at statistics of like every race, every gender, and just overwhelmingly, um, black people are being charged with crimes that white people aren't being charged with. But we know they're happening statistically, like domestic right, right. violence. Um, statistically domestic violence, I forget the exact number of what percent of law enforcement is committing domestic violence, but I have, there aren't that many cops being arrested for domestic violence. Why is that? Why? Um, so, I mean, you see that, um, but also it's, it's just so hard. It also goes back to poverty is all I'm a public defender. So almost all of my clients are poor. So I definitely see the treatment of my clients versus people who can hire an attorney is definitely, it's different. So that's also something that's really hard in the legal system is if you can't afford an attorney, you might be treated a little bit differently. I think my courtroom is better than others, but uh, I definitely can see some type of biases in the courtroom for sure. That makes me sick. I know me too. And I don't know if you can answer this question, but, and this is like my own self-serving question. Mm-hmm. Um, do judges and lawyers make like backdoor deals? No backdoor deals. I would say, um, so we call that ex parte communication. So we're not supposed to communicate with judges without the prosecutor involved. I will say there are some situations where, um, you, the prosecutor and the judge have a conversation off record, um, which is allowed as long as every party is involved. So there have been times where I've gone back to a judge's office of the prosecutor, talked about a case then went back on record on the case. So that's definitely happened before. So it's not really like a backdoor deal. It's more of a, I'm not understanding this. Can you explain it to me off record before we go on? Or if like 
Um, one of my supervisors explained, let's say you have a really good deal that does not make sense. And the judge might be like, what's going on here? You might want to have that conversation with them off record to explain it to them and not put it on the record. So that does happen. But really, I don't ever like talk to a judge privately and say, make a deal with me. That doesn't happen. Okay. Like, it's unethical. Like, yeah. right. Well, like friendships and stuff. Right. Are there like lawyers that have been around for a long time that have like, that are on the good side of a judge, for instance? I mean, I mean, you can't say that that doesn't happen because like, like if I, all my, you know, classmates, someone on my friend list on Facebook is going to be a judge one day, like (laughs) guarantee. And just because we're friends on Facebook, we went to law school together. doesn't mean they're going to treat me differently because lawyers and judges are held to such a high ethical standard and judges have an even higher one that if it becomes a conflict there, they should recuse themselves from a case. So I don't really think that really happens too often. Maybe they're a little bit more friendly towards them. Like, Hey, how are you? But I don't really think they um, treat things too differently, at least in my experience, but I'm sure looking at um, different areas of law and different areas of the country that could be different. Right. How do you prep? Like, how do you mentally prep for a case before you go in the courtroom? Are you meditating? Uh, Are you listening to what's your routine? Yes, routine. Um, so if I have a trial, I usually wake up in the morning. Um, I listen to some Miley Cyrus. Oh my gosh, you guys are bangers. (laughs) I have to listen to bangers. Um you actually are you just saying that? I actually do listen to bangers, specifically (laughs) that song. Okay. Like I listen to that song. Um I have like a little bit of a playlist I listen to in the morning. Usually it's a lot of Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion these days. Um, female rappers these days, but I do mm-hmm. throw on Miley. Um, like as a pump up, like, yeah, you have the E I'm that bitch. Like I'm going to fucking <laughs> kill it. E. <laughs> so I like mentally pump myself up. And then, um, I also do it on my drive. Like the meme that's like me listening to like, drug dealing songs on my way to work but like i'm listening to drug dealing songs on my way to work to deal with drug dealers like <laughs> you know like that meme i swear there's yeah. a meme that's like i'm listening to all this music on my way to my nine to five but my nine to five revolves around like some of this stuff um so i pump myself up and then sometimes i do get a pair of headphones and i like pace around in the hallway listening to the music um but it depends if it's a jury trial, there's a lot of prep that goes into it ahead of time. And I don't like to do last minute prep. I'm more of a thinking on my feet type of person, but it just depends on the attorney. So I just prefer to listen to music that'll calm me down, which happens to be music that shouldn't calm me down. It's like twerk music, but whatever. It's fine. Hey, whatever works. <clears throat> That's amazing. Kaylee is the queen of twerk. I've not twerked in a courtroom though. So thank God. Yet. Okay. Probably a good call. I would. Uh, I want to hear what your opinion is on uh, Kim K becoming a lawyer. So many opinions. Where do and I start? Would you, would you start a practice with her? No. Number one, no. Only because um, reputation wise, I don't think that wherever she goes, it's going to have a great reputation. Um, California is different. California is different where you do not need to have an undergraduate degree or law degree to become a lawyer. And I think that alone, that's a very rare route to go. Like even in California, people don't just wake up and say, I'm going to go to 
I'm going to get my license. It's very rare. And only Kim K could do it because she's wealthy enough to do it and has the connections to do it. It's very privileged of her. But I think that other lawyers and judges are not going to treat her very friendly. Um, They're going to be very opinionated of her and say, you know, you did this because you have money and you're privileged and you haven't been through the hazing. You haven't been through all the shit that we have, you know? Um, So I would not start a firm with her. I do support all the work she's doing. I think it's amazing. I can disagree with the way she's going about it, but she is helping people, which is all that matters. I just don't think I would uh, practice with her. That makes sense. Yeah. What, and there's so much law school stuff that I only know now because of her. What is, (laughs) (laughs) and I was just watching a video of uh, Chris Jenner talking about the baby bar. What's the baby bar? So in California, if you don't go to law school, um, you can take what they call the baby bar, which is like, this is my understanding. It might not be 100% accurate because this is only a California thing. And obviously I'm, I'm not licensed in California. The baby bar is what you take. It's kind of like your way to um, skip law school. Like you take the baby bar, you skip law school. And you're able to do the mentorship instead of uh, going through all the way through law school. So she took some type of like entryway exam and that after she does so much mentorship after a number of years, then she can take the regular bar, which in California, it's, it's one of the hardest bar exams. Now don't quote me all of this because like I said, I'm not licensed there. I've not done so much research, but, um, I don't want to get sued for being wrong. Oh God. Are there any other, um, states that allow that? I don't believe so. But again, I could be wrong. I think California is unique. And I think it's because the demand in California is a little bit different than uh, other places. I don't know. Every state's different. Every state's different. But California is like every, every area of life. California is extra different. I would love to hear if you could build your own dream team. Who would be on your dream team? Uh, my dream team. Well, it'd be the dream team, obviously. So obviously OJ's team. Um, but I mean, RIP Robert. Um, I would want, and I'm blanking on his name, but Casey Anthony's attorney. And I know his name and I can't remember it. Oh, I remember that case. I was so fired up about. And her right. lawyer wrote an excellent book. Like I read it, loved it. And this is before I wanted to do criminal defense. And I'm like, this is a great book. And people were judging him so hard and he just did such a fantastic job. Um, so I, why I were they, was, why were they judging him and why do you think he did a good job? So judging him, like people were like, Oh, he's not an experienced attorney because everyone thought he, they she, like, found him on the streets. Like he was some inexperienced guy who just picked up her case, which wasn't, really true um he had his own firm and all this stuff um he did such a great job on her case because the whole not only florida but the entire nation thought she was guilty and he got the not guilty verdict he got the not guilty verdict um so a lot of people criticize that but it's he got the result for his client like right that's what matters you know you can say he's slimy and he's gross but like his job was not to please america it was to um you know, 
help his client. He did. She was found not guilty. So he's definitely on the dream team. I can't think of his name, but if he wants to hit me up and he hears this, <laughs> I hope he knows mine. <laughs> I'll tag him in uh, the Instagram post and we link everything for you. Okay, cool. Because if I could get a job with him, that would be life-changing. When you are a public defender, are you able to take on any other private work? I can. So my, um, oh, sorry. I'm like talking over you. Um, so yes, um, we have like limits at my office of how much private work we can take. So I can do it if I want to. Um, like if some private attorney was like, Hey, do you want to do this trial with me? I absolutely could, but I can't do so much of it that it takes away from my clients. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Do you, how much of that do you take on? Like how many trials a year of like other or cases a year that are outside of your own? So I haven't done any, um, but I've also only been practicing for such a short amount of time plus COVID, which completely right. ruined everything. <laughs> um, so trials have been suspended. Jury trials have been suspended in Indiana for months. Um, but I think it's something maybe in the future I would do. Just I haven't done any private cases yet. Got it. What is Zoom court been like? Yeah. Um, well, I go to court for the drama and for the trial. <laughs> and I'm not getting the drama or the trial. I'm just getting these meetings where it's just like, yep, judge, eventually want a trial. So like set this out for another month and we'll be here again in a month. So it's stupid. Wait, so... When are when do is there any idea of when you guys are going back at all? Is anyone back in trials yet in person? Um, so in Indiana, we were back in August, and I did two jury trials, um, one in September and one in October, and then we suspended them again until March first. So I am actually scheduled to do one on March first. So okay. we'll see. At least jury trials, we can still do what we call bench trials, which are just trials in front of a judge. So we can still do those. Got it. I'm trying to, when does a, when do you determine if a jury comes in? So if your client wants a jury trial, um, it's scheduled on a calendar and then, um, the clerk's office sends out the summons for jurors. And, um, right now the Indiana Supreme court ruled that we can't have jury trial again until March 1st because of COVID. So I guess we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. I want to go really off the norm of what we talk about and because of what's going on in the world right now, and this isn't going to air for several more weeks. And so the world will be in a completely different place from what we're talking about right now. But as a lawyer, I would just love to hear your opinion on what, you know, what has occurred within our nation in the past week. I mean, in the past week, I think there was hypocrisy. Um, I think a lot of people are being exposed for, you know, you look back at Black Lives Matters protest and the way people reacted to that. And then you see this type of behavior and all of a sudden it is acceptable to some people. And you, you see the hypocrisy. Um, and I think people are just being exposed right now. And I think people who wanted to stand on a podium and make some type of justification for any of these um, murders at the hands of the police, people who are making, you know, stand on the little, po their little, whatever it's called, their podium. What's it called when you stand on something? 
Yeah, podium. No, it's like a saying. Soapbox. Soapbox. Like <laughs> all those go, people Jen. on their soapbox. <laughs> people are up on their soapbox and and then now and it's like where are these people now? And right. the ones that are really standing by it, it's like you're just exposing yourself to being a racist. That's all you're doing right now. You are exposing who you are as a human being. Um so I think a lot of that I think there's more open dialogue now, which is helpful for my cases and my clients that we can talk to jurors about these events in the world and say, what are your opinions? And they kind of help us determine if someone's right or not for a jury. But um, Mm. we're living in a really crazy world right now. Um, Jen, you'll appreciate the meme I saw was like the rest of the U.S. is losing their minds, but Brown fans are uh, celebrating. So (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Go Browns. Oh, my gosh. What, how do you, I mean, looking at all the stuff that's happening, me as a person, I just think like, there's nothing that I can do that's going to make any of this better. And I was actually having a conversation with a friend about this yesterday. And he was like, the only way I know to make a change is to be the best person that I can and within my home, be the best person so that I can at least like have a family that is doing the best they can. And then hopefully there'll be some sort of ripple effect, but that's like on the lowest level of what we can do. What do you think that we can do? Cause I want, I would love to be part of the solution and not just a bystander. And I want to add something to that. Um, I have a friend in Boston who was helping me early on in the summer with navigating like writing to legislators and um, you're like, you know, trickling, not just thinking about the presidential election, but all the other elections and the reps and the Senate and like local Congress, local, you know, all of that. And so can you also, I know it's different per state, but like, what do you adding on to that? What do you recommend for people? Like how do we as civilians get involved when it's like, it's, they don't make it easy right. to understand and to get involved. Right. So I would say, you know, the, the being better part, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is having difficult conversations with family members and friends Mm -hmm. and not just being a bystander. Like you kind of mentioned is when you, when you hear something messed up that a family or friend is saying, a family member or friend is saying is saying, you know what, that sounds pretty racist or I don't agree with that. And I think it's understanding how to talk to people without um, belittling them or making them feel like I'm right and you're wrong. I think having open dialogue is just so important in any area of life, but especially this area where I think it's divided friends and family and it's, you know, either you're this side or this side when it doesn't need to be that. I think there is some educating you can do, but I think also people are so quick to cut people out of their lives. And I would, I wouldn't do that um, personally because you want to help people. Well, you know what I mean? I wouldn't like cut someone I care about out of my life because of a political thing or something like that. I would be more like, let's have a conversation and I can't change your mind, but maybe I can make you see something differently. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as it goes on the political level, I'm not super involved in politics, but I would say, um, well, I am a big, supporter of is just sharing information. Like I just said, open dialogue, sharing information, sharing those resources with people. Um, 
you know, get involved. And, um, but also I think it's calling out things when you see them, if you hear a friend say something that you're like, it's having the courage to be like, Hey, what you said was racist. It was homophobic. It was whatever it was Mm -hmm. and not make it so uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to be friends with you anymore because of it. But like, Hey, what you said was a little bit racist. I, you know, and have an open dialogue about it instead of saying, I don't want to be your friend because you said that. I think it's more of, yeah, I think that's, what's really important. Um, but the political stuff, I'm not the best person because I'm not super involved. Um, Indiana is Indiana. Um, but I will say, you know, documentaries, watch documentaries. And if someone tells you who, um, that what you said has made them uncomfortable, don't gaslight them. Don't say like, I'm sorry you felt that way. Just like, I'm, you know, I want to learn so I can be better. Yes. Which is why you guys are better. Better is better. Oh, yes. Okay. Exactly. 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 That's a good point. I had a difficult conversation with a friend um, at one point this summer and I, and I didn't frame it as like, I don't want to be your friend, but it kind of blew up in my face. And so that was a, <laughs> definitely a learning experience with just how to navigate, you know, you learn and everyone's so different too. And and I've learned some people are so sensitive and mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of that, like, um, it's deep rooted. Like, it's deep rooted. And people um, obviously don't, no one wants to be called racist and no one wants, but in this turn of like anti-racism, there's a big difference between yeah. Right. And so that's where like, I'm trying to actively, I'm not saying I have all the answers by no means, of course, I know that I'm working super hard to be better, but in witnessing that and then seeing people um, crumble under that and it's like, well, this is such a hard conversation. For yeah. Me. And then that makes it so hard because then you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, is it, is it worth the big brawl that's about to come? Right. Right. And it was. And, oh, good. No, I was going to say it was nuts. It was nuts. No, I mean, I, I, my relationship ended over that. I mean, I was in a relationship with someone that um, I called out for some of that behavior. And, um, it was, it was really bad. What he said and did was bad. And I felt guilt for even saying what you said was wrong because, you know, saying that someone's acting racist or said something racist is also like very offensive to other people, but having the voice and courage to be like, no, this was wrong. I still accept you. But also looking back and saying, you know, yes, you can keep people in your life, but at a certain point you can't, which is why I don't have a boyfriend anymore. So Twerking Kaylee's coming out. Twerking Kaylee during COVID season. I have to be single during COVID. (laughs) It is hard. Trust me. I know. Um, Kind of like Jen's girlfriend though. So it's okay. This is true. This is true. I have all of the, the support, the physical touch around me. (laughs) Everything you need from a man, but better. I cook for her. She does. Which you know you're that's not gonna be likely to find a boyfriend who can cook like I can cook for you. <laughs> also gluten free meals. Yeah, yep. I was on a Zoom and Ava hand delivered me a meal. And um my boss was on the Zoom and she was like, What in the world just happened? <laughs> like, first of all, who's in your apartment? Who's delivering you eggs? <laughs> eggs? Eggs? Yeah. Did you like make eggs and drive over? She'd ever had. No, she made them in my apartment. Oh, okay. Okay. As I say, were they cold? Like, oh no. Did you make her eggs? No, no, no. In her apartment. In my apartment. Now that is eggs. That is service. Yes. What kind were they? 
over easy, over easy. And that's that's another way that we are trying to be better because we're trying to not lose our minds with, um, the work from home, like isolation. So we'll like choose a day during the week to co-work. And then it just makes like the in-between meetings kind of fun to talk to people. Oh, for sure. For sure. Super fun. Wait, are are you working from home or are you going into an office? Mixed. Um, it's like today I had three trials in person. Um, so I was at the office all day. Um, and then tomorrow I have a deposition in person. So I'll be mixed. I'll be at home until my deposition. And then I'll go to the office for that and work until the end of the day. And then say Tuesday. Yes. Yeah. yeah so uh, probably Thursday and Friday I'll be working from home. It just it depends on the day and what I have going on. Um, but we're, we're pretty flexible. It's just when we have stuff in person, we have to go in person. Kaylee, I would nice because it changes. Yeah. That is nice. The 50, 50, just like you, Ava, half and half, half and half. That's Ava's, um, racial profile. Oh, I like that. (laughs) She's going to kill me for saying that. That's the best way to have it. We were talking about that. One of my friends was interrogating me about my ethnicity and uh, heritage because I'm half Latina and I'm half white. So it was a whole conversation, but it's a, and it's a good conversation to have, you know, because there's the more and more time goes on, the more and more people are going to be mixed of different races and racially ambiguous. Um, And I think it's, it's cool to like see people that like you can't identify as like giving them a label because that is, there are so many problems with that. One of my friends who, um, she was, she, she's black and with the black, it's Rochelle, actually one of our guests from season yes. one, she was saying, she was like, I think with time, a lot of this is going to be, um, settled simply because mm-hmm. people are going to be more racially ambiguous, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mixing of races, which is really cool to think about, um, as time goes on. Yeah, that's awesome. I agree. Ava, say your description of what you said. <laughs> You're 50, 50, 50, 50, no, half and half, like the creamer. <laughs> That's me. And also Hannah Montana, best of both worlds. And best of both worlds, like Miley and Hannah Montana. That's how she described it this weekend, and I was dying. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Wait, that made me think of the meme that was like... Another meme? Yes, the one... do your lawyer work? When I'm looking at memes, the one that was about, like, the (laughs) capital, like the capital situation and it was like y'all don't ask where Miley is when Hannah's on stage oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like where was the lie though <laughs> Kaylee, the I want to hear your prediction on what what's going to happen either this week or next oh I don't even know I mean I can only hope for the best um which would be what to you and your lawyer standpoint justice get, give nothing. your prediction and then you're what come on we're gonna squeeze I don't think you. I don't know I don't think anything can happen in one week I don't think any true change in society can happen in one week I just don't No, with with uh Trump oh I think Trump is gonna die or something something dramatic will happen really? do you think that next week, next week? I don't know. I'm just saying something dramatic. There's got to be a grand finale. Like, what's more grand? The drama. See? I don't know. <laughs> the drama. Do you no. think he'll be impeached or do you think he's going to step down? Do you think Pence is coming in? 
none of that. I don't think any of that's going to happen. I think there's, I think that everything's going to be a smooth transition. I think it's all just hyped up. I, that's why I hope. Really? I don't think he's going, I don't think he's going to be impeached. I think it's just going to be a transition. And then in a couple of months, we're going to forget about all of this. I hope. I don't know. You don't, you don't think he's going to step down so he can be pardoned? I don't, I don't know. I really don't That's know. That's a theory, though. That is. That is the it's theory. theory. Yeah. Yeah. But you I think don't, it's all... I just think junk? either something super dramatic is going to happen. Option one. Which like I a support. conspiracy theory? Like like something pre-planned? Is that what you're, you think? Yeah. Like something dramatic or something so normal happens that everyone's like, why, why is this so normal? You mean like him showing up and like shaking his hand and like... Yes. Yes, I think that's going to happen. Me too. I, I, he's scared. That's what I'm saying. <clears throat> he's scared. I, I think it's going to be normal. I think it's going to be a normal transition because as much talk as everything is, I think there's also a side of like, I'm just going to do my job, what he I'm supposed to do. Down. I don't really know. I try to stay out of it. And like, there are bigger problems in this world than Donald Trump. There are. I'm kidding. There are. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> there are. Like he, but my some of my coworkers are always like, "Oh my god, Trump this, Trump that," and I'm like, "Can we focus on like my poor client who's in jail? I care more about them than Donald Trump. Right. Like, there's bigger. There are bigger things to focus on in life than like policies and whatnot. Yeah, or in politics, Problems. it's more like yeah. pe- people are more important than politics, right? And like, I feel like he's stolen so much of everyone's energy and attention. Mm-hmm. For the last four years, like, right. that's, like, I know people who, one of my clients, she jokes, like, one of her best friends is, like, hates him so much that she's obsessed with him. Like, right. she's constantly sending her stuff about him. And it's, like, it's constant. She's, like, she hates him so much. She's obsessed with him. Like, yeah. this yeah. is, like, her focus. And, like, to give someone, I've been in that space where I dislike someone so much, like, you know, in high school or whatever, that, like, mm-hmm. I give them so much of my energy and attention and it's like that's not the way and I mean it's only natural and he's the leader of our country and there's so much power and he can yeah so much like it makes sense but I think that there is something to be said for like are we able to like not give him that power right and not well, give it's him- it's like a toxic ex like why yeah. are you still texting me about your ex-boyfriend just block him and move on like it's not really <laughs> like that I mean it's different because it's the president but it's also like right. You don't need to text me and like go to therapy over it. Like, yeah, I mean, sure, if you need to, but like, it's just like a toxic ex boyfriend. Like, focus on other things in your life. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. And I'm wrong for it, but whatever. Yeah. That's why I would say if it was the boyfriend of someone or an ex or even a friend of someone, a family member, why do you focus all of your energy on this toxic individual when you can focus on things that you can do and you can change in your life? That's how I feel a lot about it too. When people are like, oh, did you hear he said this or this? And I'm like, well, anything I do isn't going to change that. So I need to focus on what I can do that is going to be impactful and how like I'm going to speak and how I'm going to, you know, present myself because he did, he said what he said, or, you know, there's not a taking it back. Right. And so much I think that people don't think about is change at the local or even state level. Um, that people focus so much of their attention on this one area of politics when it's like bigger change happens within your community. Yes. Mm. 
all the way down. It does. It's not just at the that very top. It's like all the way down. There's so many other layers. That's why, like, I really wish there had been. I had learned more about that in school of like mm-hmm. really the different levels of our legislation system, not just really high up that we like think of, but like all the way down to like local. And so now I'm like learning all of that as an adult. And like I said, it's hard to navigate. Unfortunately, I have friends who are like in the political world or were poli sci majors in college, mm-hmm. just, you know, have like expressed interest in that. And so they have like good resources and sifting through it, but it takes a lot of, it's a lot of like, it's hard, you know, for a normal person to. Right. What is a person? Yeah. What is something that you can do at the like local level? I think it's, you know, uh, of course at election, and I think that's important at your election level is just learning more about local issues, but I think also being involved no matter what in your local issues um, and learning about what's happening in your community and what you can do. Um, You know, I think of course, what I see is at our level showing up to jury duty. That's important. Um, I think just being educated on what's happening, um, what bills are being pushed through right now. um, Who's on your local school board, what's going on at different levels. I think just being more knowledgeable and more involved for sure. um, Instead of just looking back and complaining about things. It's like, if you just want to complain, you're not making a difference. Like think about how you can actually impact people's lives. Um, I think is even if you don't know what to do, I mean, go volunteer at a local food shelter, like go make a difference in your community that it doesn't have to be about politics. It's about bettering someone else's life. Oh, yeah. That is the quote from Kaylee. Better other people's lives. Because there's like, there's so many different ways that you can take this, but then it's like, okay, what's actually realistic? What can mm-hmm. I do? What, well, yeah. What can I do? Yeah. Right. How right. Do I fit in? And I mean, you have a whole homeless or not necessarily homeless, but like a a population of people in your community that they need your help. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can think of people that I walk by every single day and I always make a point to stop by and talk to um, homeless people that I walk to work to and talk to every day. I have a conversation with them. I get to know them. But how many people walk by a homeless man every single day on their way to work and they don't ever stop and say, What's your story? What's your name? How can I help you? Anything. They just keep, they ignore another human being in need. So I think it's just stop and like notice other people around you and what you can do to help them. If, you know, sometimes I will take leftovers I have, or I have packed meals that I've, you know, my fridge, it's going to be expired in a few days. I'll make meals for people and hand them out. Like, what can you do to help, like make someone's day better? I love that too. And that's something like so simple. Yeah, absolutely. Right. When I first, so my father always, like, I never, ever watched him ever walk by a homeless person without giving them like some money. Right. And his father always did the same thing. So he always did that. And so I adopted that habit. And when I moved to LA, I was like, I can't afford to, I'm serious. (laughs) Right. Such a homelessness issue. I know. I was like, literally, and I lived like actually really close to downtown. Um, the first year that I was here, I lived close by USC. So it's like, it wasn't a super great area. Mm -hmm. And I like, I, I just simply couldn't give money every single time. And that's really big with our elections here because there's a lot of issues like revolving around homelessness. And there's such a major, major, major issue, um, Mm -hmm. that like, it's super relevant and people like either are really involved or just like, don't you know they just care about the presidential election and like don't don't use their voice and their vote and like in anything else but it's such a major issue right 
And that's why, I mean, like I said, I will make little snack packs or leftovers, or if there's a homeless man outside your grocery store, grab him a meal on your way in the grocery store and hand it on the way out because you're going to make someone's day just so much better. And um, it's not solving the issue of homelessness, but it's at least treating someone else like a human being. If you're in that situation, would you want 500 people a day walking past you and not even saying hello? I've never even thought about it like that. It's like treating people like people. Totally. I think we're going to need you for um, a part two after the inauguration to debrief everything that occurs in the next week or so. I'll just, I won't know the political side. I'll know the drama side of it. I know. And that's what we need. The the memes. I know the memes. We need the Kaylee, (laughs) we need the TMZ moment from you afterwards. You'll have all the inside scoop. I won't. I'll just make it up. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds fun. (laughs) I'll just make up everything. Kaylee, sum it up in one sentence. How can we be better? better? We can be better by treating people like human beings with simple kindness and respect and acknowledging the struggles they're going through without being dicks. <laughs> Excellent. Thank but you actually, so much. Which, without being dicks. That's important. Right on brand. Yes, it is on brand. It's, that's why we have the E for explicit. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Kaylee. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Kaylee, we appreciate you. I If you're willing and able, please consider supporting this podcast with a small monthly donation to help us help us all do a little better each day. The link to do so is at the end of the episode description. Thank you in advance for your consideration. Original music by Dave Zupp. Bye.